On Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined. This is a really rare first time kind of episode. Usually it's Pete and I that we do our own shows on on whatever they air on Wednesdays and Fridays. But this time we're actually going to try this out, seeing as Pete's going to be on a little bit more next season. We're going to try this out. And, and we brought on a guest and he has been a huge help not only to the show and coming on and, and all these things, but also just as a different kind of voice in media out here, uh, George Sedano of, of, of ESPN on the jump, and he has, his, he has his evening show as well. George, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Thanks for having me on again. Uh, anytime, I'm, 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 I'm just laughing along with it, right, Pete? Like, that's kind of how we have to address this. Like, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm just leaning into it, just <laughs> leaning into all of the fuckery, man. Let's do it. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's go with it. So, so just so we're all caught up on this, in the last two days alone, uh, I guess two and a half, we had the LeBron doesn't have trust for the organization. And then, and then he went on Instagram to said it was not true uh, in, in just peak LeBron fashion. Uh, McMenamin went out there and basically, I wouldn't say he backtracked from his reporting. It was more of an explanation that like this is, this is the situation. Of course LeBron would, anybody would have a little less trust. Uh, and then <laughs> to follow those things, we had Rick Buecher go out there and say that Jeannie and Palinka were accidentally CCing Magic Johnson on emails that were critical of Magic Johnson. He then since tweeted that the truth will always come to light. He did that this morning. My guy learned how to subtweet. Uh, and then finally, <laughs> <laughs> and then finally yesterday, Bill Plaschke in a column and then on your show, George went out and said that uh, the Lakers are hoping that whoever they hire for their head coaching position is open to having Kurt Rambis on as associate head coach. So, so George, my first question here is, like, at what point do our heads just stop spinning? Man, it is a circus, and <laughs> it's the blind leading the blind, it feels like. The Lakers organization, the crown jewel of the NBA, is run like the family hot dog stand. And it's just wild <laughs> to think that that's the case. Like, um, to, to kind of put it as nicely as possible, it just feels like they are – sinking further and further into the abyss. And to me, the team that's the model of inconsistency in the NBA are the Knicks. And the wild part about all that is that they have all the resources in theory to make all that work, but ownership has generally got in its way. And much like Jeannie, I believe James Dolan loves the Knicks, but I don't think he knows what he's doing. Now, we'll find out if he finally has gotten it right. Um, but it's been well over a decade. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the Lakers are about halfway to that right now, to the Knicks ineptitude right now with the last six seasons. And the fact that they've had the worst record in the NBA in a six-year span, which includes a season with LeBron James. It's just unfathomable wow. for that to be the case. So you've got a situation where last, you know, when they hired Magic, Okay, fine. Like, you know, he's going to oversee stuff. Um, but then the combination of two guys, 
who were novices at it, to not bring in a consultant, and it doesn't have to be Jerry West, but just somebody, right? Yeah, anybody with experience. Who can hold their hands a little bit, right? Was just, made no sense. Then we all know how the season went, the roster construction, really outside of LeBron, everything else didn't fit. Um, All the criticisms that they received in July were warranted as we kind of saw it play out. And, you know, then magic steps down. You have all this stuff that transpires there. He doesn't tell Jeannie. Rob all of a sudden seems to be gaining more and more power. Again, someone who is a novice still at this thing. And here's the thing on Rob, right? And I'll let you guys jump in here in a second because my understanding to this is Rob and those guys get a lot of credit for Kuzma at least publicly, right, for Kuzma and Hart and that draft, when in essence, to my knowledge, that draft was already scouted. It's February when you're coming in. Bill Burtka, Ryan West, Jesse Buss, those guys did all the homework on those guys. That's an easy draft to hit because those guys did the lay work and the groundwork. Whereas this past draft, look, Mo Wagner, we'll see, right? You know, early returns, not ideal. They traded speed. So we don't know what that's going to be, though. I don't think Steve's going to be anything but, you know, maybe an 11th or 12th man in this league. But he's got a skill set that will help him stay in the league because he can shoot. Um, But, you know, their returns last year based on free agency and the draft weren't necessarily great. So this is the guy you're going to have run the organization who hasn't necessarily had a great tracker. And then you're yammering in and slamming in Kurt Rambis into the conversation (laughs) as either an assistant GM or a coach. There's not a coach worth his weight and salt that's going to want to have anyone shoved down their throat, especially someone who could be a mole for the organization when we think that his wife is, in essence, the shadow owner of this team. Like, the whole thing could not have been scripted better, especially when you consider we live in, you know, in Tinseltown. Like, it's just amazing the content you get each and every day out of this team. Yeah, that's the your comment about you know Kurt being the mole. That's something that's really stood out to me, and what I something that I think fits within Jeannie's perception of what she wants is she wants somebody in every room that she trusts, and I think it's telling that she doesn't right, and that's the that's the only reason for her to insist upon Kurt Rambis, if that report is true, to be either an associate head coach or an assistant general manager. George, I had a question for you because you have unique insight into LeBron specifically with the time that he spent in Miami. I'm not somebody who subscribes to the idea that LeBron is a big part of the problem. I think he's the most competent person in the organization, but he brings a certain amount of drama and circus with him. And you use that phrase circus specifically with the Lakers organization, considering your insight and experience with LeBron, what is your take after a year of how the LeBron circus and then the Lakers circus, which existed before him, how those two things have come together and kind of what's been created from that? Well, Here's the thing. Since I covered LeBron daily and he left to Cleveland in 2014, he has amassed a lot more power. And his group has amassed a lot more power. And that's Rich Paul, Maverick Carter, Randy Mims, all those guys. Okay. They, they in essence, run the show in a lot of ways. Um, now, I'm not saying that they're in the room on draft night, that they're telling you exactly what they want in free agency. But they have a certain expectation is the way I I would call it. They are holding the franchise accountable in ways that previous players and certainly agents that are surround that surround a particular star player have not in the past. Okay, 
And and that's why I've always said the minute he got here that this is different. He's different than Kobe Bryant while being the same in a lot of ways, just different because of the power that he amasses and the stuff that he cares about, right? He cares about details in ways that even someone as detail-oriented as Kobe didn't. So when you bring those powers together, look, on the surface, I thought it would make a lot of sense because LeBron, despite wanting to have accountability, also wants to have someone in control who he trusts and believes is competent. Now, he had that in Pat Riley. He had that in David Griffin. And I think he felt he had that and on an even better, on an even uh, higher level, per se, with Magic Johnson. Because Magic could relate to him as a player, right? Magic knows what it's like to be the best player in the world. Magic knows what it's like to be an entrepreneur at the highest levels. And Magic... And him had very similar philosophies from a civic perspective. So I actually thought that if anything was going to make this work, it was that particular marriage. Okay, but with magic out, I just think that now you're asking for all sorts of trouble, which is why when Dave said what he said, I was like, yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. I mean, the, the minute magic stepped down, my initial reaction was LeBron can't love this. He came to the Lakers because he wanted to be a Laker, but he came because he was marrying himself to Magic Johnson for all the reasons I outlined. And now he's got Rob there. And yeah, I guess Jeannie's there too, but Jeannie's not a basketball person. We all know this. She's a savvy business person. No one would deny that, but she doesn't have the basketball acumen. And we're still trying to figure out if Rob has the basketball acumen. So again, now LeBron is stuck in a situation, at, at least for the next two years, where He doesn't necessarily have someone in the organization that he trusts implicitly, which is why I think the coaching hire is unbelievably important, okay? Because he's going to need to feel like he's got someone in there that's an ally that he can trust. And whether that's Teron Liu or, you know, to some extent, Monty Williams, who I would say is third on the LeBron trust factor pecking order because his interactions with him are just so limited. It's just Team USA stuff. Or Jawan Howard even because he played and coached LeBron as an assistant in Miami, I think that those guys make some sense. Now, I think that Ty makes the most sense by a long shot um, because Ty will push back on LeBron. And that's been documented to me by multiple people, you know, on the record and off the record on the radio show. And, you know, Jawan has some of that. The problem I have with Jawan is I don't want to thrust a first time head coach into this situation. Yeah. Like, I think that's a recipe for disaster. And I'm just especially if they're saddling him with a rambus. Correct. (laughs) And and Jawan, because it would probably be his first job, might be more amenable to that. Right. So, you know, I'm I'm kind of lowest on Monty. I think Monty's a great assistant because I think that on every staff you need kind of good cop, bad cop. Right. And I think he actually can play both roles really well. And look, he's an unbelievable person. I just don't know if I'd like him for this particular franchise. Plus, he may have better options. And I'm not talking about the Suns. If Brett Brown doesn't go deep into the playoffs, and I'm talking conference finals or maybe even finals, there's a lot of scuttlebutt about the fact that he may not be back in Philadelphia. So Monty may be able to slide right into that situation right there, potentially, which, let's face it, on the surface is a better situation than the Lakers. So to answer your question, Pete, I think – Initially, I thought that it was going to be a marriage that would make a lot of sense. But now I question almost 
everything about it right now because I just think that LeBron and Rich and those guys are going to want to feel uh, are going to be put in a situation. And this is just my speculation, right, where they're going to feel like we got to kind of hover over what the Lakers are doing. And we got to be in even closer contact with what the Lakers are doing more so than we're even more, more so than we're even normally comfortable with, because again, there's just not that trust level with Rob and the rest of the crew there that there was with magic. We're going to uh, take a quick second here. And while we've been talking, we got a little bit of uh, some insight into the direction that it seems the Lakers might be getting ready to go in uh, regarding their head coach. So we'll come back and talk about that. Today's show is brought to you by Wise. Wise is the indoor camera that does it all. Wise is packed with premium features that allows you to see everything from anywhere for only $20. It has 1080p full HD. It has images so clear you won't miss a thing. Also has night vision and two-way audio. Wise's mission is to bring amazing smart home products and make them accessible to everyone. Check on your home anytime with Wise's app's live stream. Connect with live as, as it unfolds in sharp focus uh, live stream with eight times digital zoom personally speaking i have little avery on the way she's going to be see- sleeping there in a crib and i want to be able to see her if it's light if it's dark we just got her some blackout shades so chances are it's going to be dark more often than not and i'm really looking forward to getting her set up all over the house by the way uh, at this kind of price you can set up cameras anywhere that you see fit and and be able to monitor whatever you see uh as a, whatever you deem hugely valuable wise is the way to go so go to wise.com that's w-y-z-e.com slash locked to take advantage of this exclusive offer that's w-y-z-e.com slash locked so while we've been talking bill orham of the athletic uh dropped this nugget he's saying uh quote the lakers are sending a big contingent contingent to philadelphia today for monty williams second interview sources tell uh sammy mick and me rob palenka and Jeannie bus leading a group that also includes joey bus jesse bus Curt and Lin- linda rambus of course and coo tim harris noticeably not present is ryan west which uh a lot of people are freaking out on Twitter about right now, but to to the points that we've been making here about how it it appears that that the that the circle of inner trust are really interested in in being there in every single one of these conversations. My question, Pete, do you think Jesse and Joey get a question in during their interview? <laughs> I was just thinking I'm encouraged that they're there in the Me room too. in the first yeah, place. It's at that's least an olive branch. That's a dynamic, and I think we spoke about this on the last show where. You know, he, those guys are 25 years younger than Jeannie Buss. And when you've got siblings that are that much younger than you, it's easy to always see them as a kid. Yeah. But those guys are really competent. They've done a nice job with Jesse in the scouting department, Joey running the South Bay Lakers, and that being a, a, a an organization where that has developed and brought about some NBA players, right? And they've done a good job in the roles that they're in. They're in their early 30s, um, and Jeannie's in her late 50s now. And, and it can be hard to kind of crack that big sister, little brother, type of dynamic. And so the fact that they're in the room, even if they are not leading it, I don't expect them to be kind of leading the charge, but them being in the room, I actually take as a, as a positive. Me too. George, do you think it's too far a leap to think of this as, Hey, this is, they, I mean, we don't have full details of their conversations thus far with Teron Lou, but, 
but they didn't circle the wagons in the same way. Do you think this this might sing, signal the direction that they might be leaning here? Yeah, I mean, if they're sending that big a contingent, I would say that that makes some sense that Monty is the leading candidate, uh, and they'd like to kind of make a full court press before he even gets a chance to decide on the Sixers situation. Yeah. If I'm money, I'm not taking the Suns. I mean, I sure as hell, I don't no. wouldn't want to touch that. That's the worst job in basketball. Um, that owner is a disaster. Um, you know, for as much as we lament what's going on with the Lakers, I mean, the Suns are a mess. And look, I say this as someone who is friendly with their general manager. Okay. Uh, or VP of, uh, of basketball operations and James Jones. So, um, yeah, look, I, I like Pete. I agree. I think that the bus, uh, the younger bus kids, um, deserve a chance to be in that room because they bring a unique perspective. I think they bring a fresh perspective. I think they've done a really good job with the stuff that they've been um, told to handle. And again, you know, whether Ryan West is a part of it or not, I mean, I don't think Ryan is viewed, at least to my knowledge, um, the same way. And obviously there's a family dynamic here, but I'm just talking about from a work perspective. And that's not to demean Ryan's work. I'm just saying that on the totem pole, uh, clearly those guys, uh, Joey and Jesse are viewed differently than Ryan is. I've heard similar things on that front, George. So yeah, I think you're right on that. Yeah. I, I, I would, I would say that, look, it's, it's right there. <laughs> if, if Ryan wants to go to the Clippers, it's right there. It's been right there for a while now. Right. Uh, and, and like you said, Pete, and like George said a second ago, they have kind of pushed him to the peripheries of, of the organization a bit. So we'll see how that, how that, winds up uh pete how let's say uh you agree with with monty or with with george and i that this seems like the lakers putting on a full court press for monty williams the irony here to me and i talked about this in in the show that aired yesterday is that they don't want to appear to be kowtowing to lebron james whims right but of those two guys, of those two candidates, Teron Liu and Monty Williams, the guy most likely to call LeBron on his crap is Teron Liu. Right. <laughs> and, and, and that's the disconnect here that I think a lot of people are kind of missing on. Go ahead. And, and, and I haven't lost uh, – like it's perfectly possible that in the next couple of days they send a similar contingent to meet with Ty Liu. Yeah. And they're just doing their due diligence. I mean we're, we are very much in that 24-hour news cycle where every – the most recent thing is what we lock in on, but they've just started their second round of interviews and it looks like, I mean, I don't think there are going to be other people outside of who've been interviewed already. Um, but I could be wrong on that. And I'm fine with them doing that sort of due diligence. I'm still getting used to the idea like Kurt Rambis and Linda Rambis are in the room in the first place. Uh, but as for Lou versus Monty Williams, like Monty seems to me like a similar guy to Luke in that he's well-respected. I've never heard anybody say a bad word about Monty Williams. I, I don't think he's a great X's and O's coach, which is how I felt about Luke Walton as well. Uh, I think Ty Lue is a better X's and O's guy than than he is. And like you said, he's he's willing to hold him accountable. I'm also curious about Jawan Howard in this whole situation in that, you know, George, you mentioned that that, uh, you know, Jawan hadn't been a, a, co- a head coach before and you don't want to throw him in that sort of situation. The same was true of Ty Lue when he took that job and they won a title. Now, 
my question to you, George, is does the Lakers factor in it? It's different being a first-time coach with the Lakers versus Cleveland. Is that something that would kind of tip it overboard to where, like, my question is why can't Jawan Howard work the way that Ty Lue did? Uh, I think it's what you just outlined there. I think yeah. that it's just the spotlight is way bigger. Look, look, the spotlight in Cleveland when LeBron was there was pretty damn large, too. Like, yeah, don't get yeah. me wrong. Um <laughs> But I just think that it's magnified because it is Los Angeles. And, and here's the thing. Ty Lue was taking over a program, even as much as we make fun of David Blatt, that was still good. OK, like it was it was in the finals. Yeah. <laughs> so, so LeBron was a better player back then, too. Right. Right. He was much younger. So I, I think that that plays a factor in it. It's not like Teron Lue took over a situation where the team didn't make the playoffs uh, there. You know, they, they were coming off a finals appearance and they were still really good at the time. So I wouldn't want to thrust a, uh, a first-time coach in that scenario because of, of all the factors I just outlined there. Uh, and I'm also with you, Pete. Look, I, I, I will tell you this. I just Over the years, I've talked to numerous people, and, and just recently I talked to a handful that will all attest that Ty Lue is the far superior tactician yeah. than it compared to Monty Williams, that it's, it's not even close as far yeah. as I've been told. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they handle all this. It, my thing has always been: if you're going to hire Monty, hire him for the right reasons, right? And if and if the and if the the single differing factor here is that Monty isn't seen as a LeBron guy, then I'm I'm a little concerned that he walks into the same exact situation that Luke was in last year. Uh, let's take another quick second here, and when we come back, uh, we will finish up. What has been a fascinating uh, few days here for the Lakers? It's it's going to be it's. I, I still think the amount of news that's pouring in is going to continue to change, probably even while we uh, while we're waiting during the break. So, George, I, I have I have this question here. Uh, Pat Riley obviously famously came from what came with a Lakers background and ran the Miami Heat. Uh, Having learned a few things from his time with the Lakers, and then obviously his time with the Knicks, and then eventually uh, with with his leadership, kind of form just absolutely cemented. He kind of ruled with an iron fist, or or as close to it as he could with LeBron. Back when LeBron was a lot less mature, by the way, too. Um, how do you think? Do do you think LeBron took anything from that and moved forward to Cleveland and hoped to bring some of that here to LA or or like how do you think he handles if the Bus family uh, does try to rule in the similar fashion as Pat Riley he doesn't have that same amount of respect for anybody involved there how do you think he handles that kind of situation? Well, when LeBron left Miami, you know he legitimately enjoyed the structure and the culture of it. Um, mm-hmm. He just liked the fact that he didn't have as much input um, and that Riley was always going to be the architect and get the credit. And, you know, there was always talk when those three guys joined the Miami, like who's going to be the alpha dog and the alpha dog in that organization is always going to be Pat Riley. <laughs> I mean, literally until he's no longer with us, that's going to be the case, right? So for better or worse in some cases, and mostly it's been better for them. Yeah. Um, but I, I, he clearly, does and did enjoy the, the structure of it, hence why. Uh, and this is something he talked about, I believe, in a Sports Illustrated interview, not the one he did with Lee Jenkins when he came back. 
actually, you know what? He might have actually outlined some of that in that too. I just don't recall at the moment. It was so long ago now. Um, but he brought guys that he that he played with over there, James Jones, Mike Miller, right, to kind of help implement the culture. And that's what a lot of teams try to do. They'll bring in these veteran guys um, to kind of police the locker room some. And every smart organization kind of has one of those guys. I remember for years, you know, this Lakers organization, not that far back uh, in the recent past, had a guy like Meta World Peace, you know, and I know that that sounds crazy, right? But um, but Meta was kind of that guy, right? Like he he was going to be uh, almost like another coach there, even though he certainly had <laughs> some of his issues, uh, you know, and, and he was a little quirky or whatnot. But Nick Collison is a perfect example of that in Oklahoma City for a long, long time. They just retired his jersey, for God's sake. <laughs> so um, I, I think that LeBron brought these veteran guys because he wanted to implement that. And he felt that the Cleveland organization was a little loose. Now, again, I think when he came to L.A., um, I think he thought he was getting the best of both worlds because Magic was there, a guy who kind of learned at the knee of Pat Riley. And I say that because when Magic took the job, he came on the radio show with us, and I asked him specifically, like, whose brain did you pick? And he said, I spent a week with Pat Riley, and we literally discussed everything from A to Z about how to run an organization. And so I think that that, that, you know, I'm not saying that's the overriding reason, but I think that gave LeBron some confidence that, okay, this will be somewhat familiar, right? Like I'm not coming into something completely blind, but I think that magic would also allow him some leeway understanding, as we discussed earlier, how difficult it is to be LeBron James, right? Because magic Johnson of all people would understand that. Um, So I do think that LeBron kind of craves some of that. He craves structure. He craves being coached, but it also doesn't mean he's not going to challenge you. He's going to challenge you in every way, shape or form. And that's the coach and that's the front office. Um, And he's going to do it in ways that may not always be direct. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're super passive aggressive. Um, And he's never going to be able to be pinned down on a particular decision. As I mentioned, he's going to have to feel confident that you're going to be able to do your job. Again, he's going to question you over and over, but you're never going to get a direct answer to pin him down on. For example, I'm sure if they ask LeBron, hey, you know, what do you think of Ty Lue? He'll rave about Ty Lue or Monty Williams or Juwan Howard. But if the question comes, hey, do you want to hire Teron Lue or Juwan Howard or Monty Williams? He's not going to say yes or no. He's basically going to, again, praise them or give you his thoughts, you know, positively or negatively. And it's going to be you who has to make that decision because, again, you're not pinning it down on him. So he's a bit elusive in that sense, too, which is, again, what makes him different than other guys um, on that level. Yeah, I, I it comes down to and I thought I thought the the whole McMenamin report slash not report slash speculation slash analysis like that whole situation, I thought perfectly sums up summed up what it's like to kind of work with LeBron where. It's a it's a situation that is very obviously not something he was he was signing up for, right? Uh, it was and and you know the way the way you and I have talked about it, George, um, when when you and I have our back and forth has been, look, when he signed up to be a Laker, there was one person there that he legitimately respected, and then that guy pieced out in an embarrassing fashion too, by the way, right? And he's and he's looking at the rest of the organization now, and he's saying. All right, wait. Where? What? What do I do here? It's like that. Uh, it's like that Will Smith uh, episode where he's standing in the room by himself, and he's like, "Wait, 
what's going on here? And 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 I I, I kind of sort of feel for the guy. And Pete, I guess for for me, you could correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I took this in when Dave was talking about when he was outlining the the situation and all the work that still needs to be done. Like I didn't take it as a as LeBron saying no, it's com-, his his not true thing. I thought spoke a lot less loudly than McMenamin outlining the situation and saying, who would be happy with, with the way things have gone here? Yeah, I mean, put two and two together, right? Right. Like, <laughs> you know, there's there are a lot of politics in media and messaging and all of that, and I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But, like, just put two and two together. If you were LeBron, how would you feel right now? And Dave McMenamin reporting – very specific things that apparently he pulled out of thin air, which I don't believe for a second. Um, <laughs> Dave's a, Dave's a good guy and a good reporter. So I'll, yeah, yeah, I don't, don't believe it for a second. Um, like, yeah, of course. And you know, I want, I want LeBron to, whether yes. it's behind the scenes, the whether point. it's in the media, LeBron is the person that I trust the most. He's not perfect. Nobody is, but LeBron is a bad dude on the court and off of it. And I trust him way more, way more than any of the other parties in this. So I've actually been a little disappointed with LeBron's absence from that and LeBron not trying to do that. I And I, I hope like hell that it's just him trying to manage the message in the media and he's doing exactly that behind the scenes because to me, he's, he's the guy that needs to exert his influence more than everyone. Well, here's the thing. Let me jump in on that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I talked about this on the radio show yesterday. LeBron James has every reason to deny that report. Okay. Because he's trying to get guys to come play with him. He's here in LA with the Lakers, whether he likes it or not for the next two seasons, at least. Okay. So, you know, he's got an option for the the third year after this Um, because of that. He needs to make it seem like he's in because if he's not, then why are guys going to come here? Like, what's the point of that? Like, that's a good point. So he has to, he has to shoot that down. It's absolutely in his best interest to shoot that down as quickly as possible. Cause if he says nothing, People already assume that LeBron's passive aggressive nature um, would (laughs) would lead you to believe that if he's quiet about that, that he's like, oh, if he's not saying it's not true, then it might be true. And that would cause pause for any free agent. Yeah. Great point. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And and look, good for him. Do you think do you think, though, George, he ever does like you talked about? You know, if they asked him directly that he has the the typical M.O. and how he would answer those questions and and feel about those coaches. But but seeing as magic isn't there, seeing as the the, the person he was most excited to uh, work with, if that's the line of thinking that we're going here. Right. Because we'd be remiss not to mention the off court opportunities and proximity to family that that he would have had by coming out here, too. Uh, but if if we're rolling with the theory that it it was Magic Johnson he was signing up to work with, and that person isn't there, might he change course now and be a little bit more direct and say, "Look, guys, Monty's a great coach. I enjoyed my time with him with Team USA, but I really think Ty Lu is is the guy." Just given he only has you know maybe a year or two left of his prime where he can impact a, a team and and be the rising tide and and even last year we saw on a few occasions where he tried to do that and he wasn't quite able to and so do you think 
as he kind of moves into this final chapter of his career that that he might look around and say, you know, Dave said he might at some point look around, look in the mirror and then and say it might be time to cut ties. But do you think before it gets to that point, he he goes with a more direct approach in 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 trying to utilize the leverage that he's he's worked for his entire career? Man, um it's just not been his MO in the past, right? As yeah. I mentioned a few minutes ago, it's you're not going to pin him down on anything. Um, and he's slippery that way. And he's <laughs> smart, by the way, that way. Yeah. <laughs> because if you can't pin it down on something or pin him down on something, the blame is always going to go to the organization. Um, so I think it's just it's a smart way to handle it. So I just history says no. Um, but to Dave's point, could I see a scenario where – in a year, you know, let's say they don't make the playoffs again. Yeah. I mean, it is something that would naturally as a human being would have to cross his mind, I think, mm-hmm. because his legacy, I'm not saying it's going to be damaged. That's ridiculous, right? Like he's got three championships. He's going to go down as a top two or three player of all time, depending on how you feel about him. Um, so that part is cemented. I'm with him on that, where he says that his part, that part of his legacy is cemented. But it's going to be a crappy little footnote, you know what I mean, if, if things go south and go real poorly here. So I think that he, he came here. Sure, the outside interest mattered. I, no debate on that. The family stuff mattered. I think particularly because he wanted Bronny to be able to play against the best players in his age range. And those players live here in Southern California to allow Bronny to be as best the, the best player he could be, too. So I think all that stuff played a role, but it, LeBron James didn't just lose his competitive edge. Okay. Like I think if anyone is thinking that they're sorely mistaken. So I, I do think that if the nuclear situation happened and the doomsday scenario happened, it would have to at least cross his mind because it would anybody. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's it just human nature, right? At, at that point, like LeBron's going to have to make a, a decision. I, I wonder if he's having any regrets at this point. So I guess my, my final question to you, George, is how do you think all of this resolves in the short term in terms of, uh, you know, where the Lakers and LeBron and everything kind of this this ends? I'm not going to hold you to any of it, but what do, what do you think that the resolution is here? Look, it, my guess, they'll hire a coach. Rob and Kurt so. are probably, yeah, Rob and <laughs> Kurt, Rob is going to probably gain more power is my guess. I don't love that part of it. Um, Rambus, I believe Plasky Rambus will have a role. I mean, it seems fairly obvious at this point, he's going to have a role. It's just a matter of what the role is. Right. Um, and I think that in free agency, if I was picking someone to be here, it's probably going to be like Jimmy Butler. And I don't think that's a bad thing because neither do I, because I think at this stage of LeBron's career, he's not the defender he used to be. So you've got a guy who can take on the team's best perimeter player on that end. Jimmy certainly has a pension for hitting big shots. Um, And then you have to hope that the young guys stay healthy. And we all know how serious um, the Brandon Ingram situation could have been. Um, My understanding is it's not as serious as, um, you know, maybe Chris Bosch or something like that doesn't mean it's not serious. And it's certainly something to monitor. Um, and obviously Lonzo's health situation is a physical uh, thing. Um, so we have to kind of see how he develops, but I think that whatever's left over in free agency, whether that's the mid-level, 
um, whatever it is that's left. Because with Jimmy Butler, they'll still have about, if my memory serves me correct, six or seven million dollars in cap space yeah. after that. Is just add shooting, man. Like yeah. just add shooting. You know, don't like, complicate this crap, yeah, right? It's LeBron. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. And for, I don't care if the guy, especially if the, they add Butler, because he's not the shooter. Correct. That, yeah. Correct. So just I don't care if the guy is a specialist. I don't care if look, go get Wayne Ellington or hell, even Jody Meeks is on a playoff roster right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know he's been here before, but you know what I'm saying? Like get those type of guys and Meeks you could get probably really cheap. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a minimum uh, situation there, but even Wayne Ellington, like six, $7 million, it's worth it just to create the space that you need on the floor. Um, so just those type of guys need to be added to the roster. And if they do that and they stay relatively healthy, they're a playoff team. And then after that, I think very much like I thought this season, I thought they'd be in a playoff position. And if they got on the right side of the bracket where the warriors weren't there, then they could be in the conference finals. Cause I thought LeBron, even at this stage could drag this team there. And I still believe that, especially if he's got a guy like Jimmy Butler in tow and there's relative health with the guys uh, on this roster who are young and and continuing to grow. And then things won't look as bad because a lot of the stuff that happened this season with LeBron, particularly here with the Lakers, that stuff happened in Cleveland, man, but it was masked by winning. But when it's not masked by winning, the stench gets worse. Okay. And, And again, it's not to say the Lakers haven't created a lot of these problems as we've clearly outlined here in the last 30 minutes. Um, but some of that can be masked by winning and it may not be winning a championship, but at least getting back into a position where you're competing again for, even if it's just a conference finals, it's just a huge step forward for this franchise and then figure out how to make it work. So you can clear space for Anthony Davis in 2020, who I I still believe despite what David Griffin says. Um, and I love Griff. Um, I still think Anthony Davis would prefer to be a Laker. That's just my opinion on it. And, but, but again, I think that David Griffin, (laughs) he believes in his, in himself. Um, here's a guy who's pulled off a lot of deals, um, has a good relationship with rich Paul and, and could he make that happen with Anthony Davis? I think if there's anyone that's got a shot at it, a puncher's chance, it might be Griff, um, because of the relationship with clutch. Um, but I still believe ultimately that Anthony Davis will want to be a Laker. And, and look, if LeBron James and them getting back to the playoffs and showing some promise next season creates the opportunity to add Anthony Davis to this roster, even as LeBron ages, I think you've done your job. Because then I think even as LeBron is aging and you have a guy like Jimmy Butler, maybe you have Anthony Davis in tow. Maybe then you're talking about a potential championship as crazy as all of this has been. If you can hit on all that stuff. (laughs) Oh, is that all that has to happen? George, is that all? (laughs) I know, but I don't think that's, I do think that if there's anything, any one organization that can pull that off, the Lakers are one of those few organizations that can do it because they've got a lot of things going in their favor. You're um, absolutely right. They just got to stop shooting themselves in the foot, man. Yeah. Like they've got LeBron, they got cap space. They don't have any bad contracts. They have a lottery pick. They have all of their future picks. They have solid assets. young guys. Yeah. Right. They have assets. Like, and, so and, and, if you just have a competent front office, you can make this work, but they need to show that they're confident. They're, they're competent and confident both actually. 
I'm down with it. And if they wind up winning a championship after all this, I, I'm naming my first gray hair genie. Like <laughs> it's happening. Uh, just so, just so that we're uh, for the, for the sake of full disclosure, Tanya Ganguly has reported that this same group, the entire group of Rob, Genie, Joey, Jesse, uh, the Rambi, and uh, Tim Harris, all also met with Ty Lue and Jawan Howard. So uh, there is no there is no way at this point to decide which way or figure out which way they're leaning just based off of who which what kind of content contingent that they've that they've sent out to these various interviews or that they've had present for these various interviews. Uh, it's still going to be interesting to see. Rick Buecher, I think, said the other day that he thinks that they'll hire a coach within the next four or five days. Uh, I know Monty Williams is getting all kinds of of attention. The Suns apparently are sending uh, the their entire group to talk to Monty and have identified him as their top candidate as well. So it's going to be a fascinating you know week or so here. Uh, but George, I want to thank you very much for hopping on, uh, given everything that's been going on, and uh, and yeah, congratulations on the show success so far. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Always great catching up with you. Pete, always great catching up with you as well. And thank you guys for having me on. Thanks a lot, George. Appreciate it, man. All right. Make sure you guys get your questions into iTunes in the form of a five-star review, and I will answer those on Sunday for Monday show. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs>